It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Today's episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to the final regular season episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. Your co-host, James Rapine, will be joining me a little bit later in the show as he does on Sundays, finishing up down at Paul Brown Stadium with Zach Taylor and the rest of the press conferences. The Cincinnati Bengals season ended with a bit of a whimper going down badly at home to the Baltimore Ravens, scoring just three points, nearly giving up an NFL rushing record. We'll talk a little bit about the game to start the show, but I will mostly spare you from having to relive a forgettable Week 17 and will instead reflect upon the season and get ready for this offseason. Let's start with the highlights, right? The few things that were exciting plays in this game, there really weren't all that many. The defensive player of the game for just a few plays probably is Marcus Hunt. He had... Tip passes on two straight Lamar Jackson passes on second and third down early in the game, and one of them led to an Akeem Davis gave their interception, a diving interception at that. Good for Marcus Hunt, who has played admirably, and I would like to see back, honestly, as an interior defender, as a rotational piece. This is a guy that has given them something that they haven't had really at all. They've had really poor play without DJ Reader, with Geno Atkins dealing with injury, without Josh Tupo, with Rennell Wren going out with injury, a beleaguered position found at least some positive contributions from Margus Hunt. Another really good play for the defense in this game, again coming early, Sam Hubbard sat on Lamar Jackson on a little read option play and managed to get the tackle right around the line of scrimmage. Those are two of the better plays for this defense. LaShawn Sims punched a pass out, intended for Mark Andrews, but without their top three corners for some of the game, at least where Darius Phillips left the game with an injury at some point and came back in the defense was really looking quite poor, quite porous. They nearly gave up a rushing yards record to the Baltimore Ravens. One that in the modern NFL era, at least they currently hold from 2000 when they had 408 rushing yards That, of course, was the game that Corey Dillon went for 278 yards on 22 attempts. He set a single-game rushing record at the time. Peter Warwick, three carries for 90 yards in that game, and Brandon Bennett had seven carries for another 19. The quarterbacks added another 20 yards. The Ravens got it done a little bit differently. They really spread it around. J.K. Dobbins had 13 carries for 160 yards. Lamar Jackson, 11 carries for 97 yards. Gus Edwards, 12 carries for 60 yards. Mark Engram, Devin Duvernay, Justice Hill, Tyler Huntley all chipping in as well on the way to 54 carries for 404 yards in the game for the Baltimore Ravens. Really the only team in the NFL I can imagine running an offense like this, the way that Mark Roman has got it drawn up. This was an offensive line that was limited for Baltimore. 
and they got it done anyway. So credit the Baltimore Ravens for having their success on the offensive side of the ball for the Bengals. Another couple exciting plays in this game. Samaj P. Ryan, I thought, played another really respectable game at running back in the limited opportunities he had. He had nine carries for 51 yards, 5.7 yards per attempt. I thought he was finding yards that were hard to find. And I think Samaj P. Ryan has actually played really well in the last two weeks. Travion Williams had four carries for 74 yards, including a 55-yard run. He averaged 18.5 yards per carry, largely on the strength of that long run, but he had a few big runs, a couple of those coming on the last drive of the season for the Bengals to close the game out. So you can call it garbage time if you want, but it was good to see Travion running hard, running well. And the other exciting part of the game, I guess, would be AJ Green. He finished the game with an ESPN recorded stat line of six targets for zero catches, but he did draw back-to-back defensive pass interference penalties as the Bengals were trying to get him some targets, trying to get him into the end zone. Brandon Allen badly underthrew a pass on a play-action play that could have had A.J. Green open in Marcus Peters' coverage, crossing the field to the back-left corner of the end zone. Unfortunately, the underthrow let Marcus Peters get a hand on it, eventually intercept it. They later took another shot to A.J. vertically on the right sideline. Chuck Clark got over there, got two feet down with an interception. So all of those attempts, I guess you credit the Bengals for trying to get A.J. the franchise touchdown record. Come up just a little bit short, and that can kind of encapsulate the Bengals' season, right? They lost a lot of games early in the season that they could have won. Philadelphia, Cleveland, Los Angeles all come to mind just off the top of my head. And they just couldn't get anything done against Baltimore all year either. So a lot of season-long trends coming up here, and the feel-good vibes from the last two weeks have kind of disappeared. But what we're going to focus on today, I think, is more so the future. What are the Bengals going to do with Carl Lawson, who had a few really nice reps in this game? Are there extensions coming for guys like Jesse Bates, who had a fantastic season? For guys like Sam Hubbard, who closed the season exceptionally strong? What are they going to do with William Jackson, who, after they lost him to a concussion, his second concussion of the year last week, the defense seemed to unravel for the last two games. And I'm not saying that I think William Jackson or... Mackenzie Alexander this week would have made a significant difference. The Ravens did almost all of their damage on the ground, although they did pick on LaShawn Sims and Jalen Davis, who had to come into the game, were pressed into duty for a couple of touchdowns. I think that those four guys on the defensive side of the ball are going to be very interesting to watch this season. And we expect at this point that Lou Anaruma will not be returning to the Cincinnati Bengals. We already know that Gerald Chapman is out. We already know that Nick Eason is out. We already know that Jim Turner is out. So that's a lot of overhaul on the defensive side of the ball, potentially, where they just brought in DJ Reader, and now you have to go find a new defensive line coach, potentially a new defensive coordinator, as we don't know for sure that Lou Anarumo is out at this point. And you have to evaluate Carl Lawson and decide how much you want to pay him to return to this team. You have to evaluate Sam Hubbard and Jesse Bates and decide whether you want to extend them at their respective rookie deals. You have to evaluate William Jackson, who a little bit later in his career, does he get another long-term deal coming off of a two-concussion year? He had some injuries. Can you trust him to be healthy and be that guy? I personally feel that if you lose William Jackson, that's too much of a step back. It creates too big of a need. So to me, that's a little bit scary. 
But these are the questions that we're going to have to talk about. And we will cover those when James Rapine joins the program. The last game of the year, in summary, Lamar Jackson was healthy. The Bengals couldn't get anything going on offense. They couldn't find the easy yards. They couldn't find the difficult yards. Brandon Allen had a regressive game after looking like he could be the backup quarterback for 2021. Now I think that is much more in question as he had a very difficult game against a talented secondary and a much better defense. A couple other notes from this game I thought were interesting. The Bengals not going for it on fourth and one toward the end of the first half I thought was not a great choice. They took a field goal. Those end up being the only points they score in the game. I think that was an opportunity to try to get a first down and try to take some other shots at A.J. Green there to try to get him the record. And there were no timeouts used in the first half of this football game. And I really wonder how many times that's happened. I couldn't find it. I tried to do a game search. I couldn't figure out how many first halves have ended without a timeout being used. I thought that was really interesting. Game got away from the Bengals, of course, in the second half. The, the Ravens running wild. And that's it. That's how the season ends. We go into the offseason. We know there are changes coming. For the coaching staff, we know there are a lot of decisions to be made on the defensive side of the ball from personnel choices. A.J. Green perhaps has played his last snap as a Cincinnati Bengal. T. Higgins, we got to find out about that hamstring. He hurt that hamstring on a big play early in the game that should have set the Bengals' rookie receptions record. Of course, it was called back for offensive pass interference as the Bengals failed to execute a pick play for two weeks in a row. Similar issue getting in the way, making contact two yards downfield, but don't want to dwell too much on that. We're going to shift gears, look ahead to the offseason, look ahead to some of the games that matter for the Bengals draft positioning as we're recording this episode. Philadelphia, Los Angeles, and Arizona have not played. Those are the games that we need to watch from a tie-breaking perspective, and we'll see how all those go. Up next, James Rapine joins the podcast, and we try to figure out if this game actually means anything for the offseason, and if so, what those takeaways are. It's that time of year. We're gearing up for the draft at this point. We're gearing up for free agency. We're gearing up for Joe Burrow's return. That's coming up next. The NFL playoffs are coming up. College football playoff has a final to conclude. A lot of you Ohio State fans, I'm sure, are eager to play some wagers on that game. There's only one place it has you covered. There's only one place the Locked On Network trusts. That's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account. That's betonline.ag. And we've got a promo code for you. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. They will match your deposit up to 50%. And maybe you're done with the NFL. As a Bengals fan, maybe you're not willing to pay much attention to the postseason. I get that too. Maybe you're a basketball fan. They've got everything you need, whether it's parlays, whether it's player props, whether it's just you want a straight up bet on your favorite basketball team. They've got that too. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. You can get into the action at betonline.ag. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, James, for the final time in the 2020 season and the first time of the new year, 2021, coming live to you from Paul Brown Stadium, James Rapine joins the program. Happy New Year, James. It's the first time I think I've talked to you since uh, it became January. Happy New Year, 2021. Unfortunately, the last time uh, I-, I was talking, you are fortunately, I guess, we were pretty excited after that Monday night win. Now I'm doing this and it's, Sort of the opposite after that uh, Baltimore beatdown at the hands of the Ravens. It's, it's really twice in a row we've seen this sort of effort against the Ravens. I talked a little bit about the game in the Open. I don't think we need to dwell on it unless there are implications from this game for the offseason. I talked about a few guys on the defensive side of the ball in particular that they they need to make some decisions about. I think Marcus Hunt is a guy that hasn't been discussed as much, at least on this podcast. I know a lot of fans out there want him back. He made another couple of plays today. I think he could be a guy that comes back and fights for a rotational spot on the interior defensive line next year. I, I think that he's continued to make positive plays for a unit that hasn't had many. But outside of you know the defensive guys, we know their contracts are up. You know that there's perhaps, perhaps an opening for A.J. Green to come back as unlikely as that is. Does today change anything? I mean, there's this new report, actually, since I started recording to you joining me from Mike Florio that says Zach isn't as safe as we thought. Now, I don't think we have heard anything that the people that you and I talked to that would suggest that is true. And I don't personally believe that Florio is that connected to sources that actually would know what the Bengals' plans are. But it's interesting that the rumor is out there at the very least. It is. And I think that that's the sort of the big overall takeaway of this game is how does it impact what the Bengals had planned on doing? Does it impact what the Bengals planned on doing? We started to hear reports and see things. At least Jesse was the, the first to kind of break some of this that, look, they're going to move on from some of these assistant coaches and they're planning this overhaul of Zach Taylor's staff, not Zach Taylor. Well, you go out there and you lose 38 to three. It looks uninspiring. Uh, the, the reports come out about the, the, the organizational plans to move on from some of these guys. And, you know, maybe something does change. Maybe this organization says, look, we lost 65 to six to the Ravens, a team we're supposed to be competing against. And who knows? Now, with that said, Jake, I think it's most likely that Lou Anarumo's fate probably sealed. Other assistants that haven't been mentioned in reports probably sealed. Um, and, and that might be the reality of things. But is the is the window at least slightly open to that, even though I haven't heard that? It wouldn't shock me. Because when you lose like he did in the, the season finale, and you have a, I mean, let's be honest, 6-25-1 record, you come back to that and you just wonder, hey, is is, is he really going to be able to turn this around? But, and, and this is the thing with Zach, he probably has two more years left on his deal. So is it worth, because most head coaches get four-year deals, is it worth buying him out for two years or just trying to find some more assistance to get behind him and maybe he does right the ship and turn things around next season with a healthy Joe Burrow? I think that's probably what they do, but it wouldn't shock me the other way, even though, 
Um, it's something you and I would do. I just, I don't think that the Bengals will. There's a few things out there that make me think it is possible, but again, we haven't heard anything to suggest this is the direction the Bengals are going. One, all three AFC North teams besides the Bengals are now going to the playoffs. And the most noteworthy of those is the Cleveland Browns. I think a lot of people had high expectations for Baltimore, who's going into the postseason on this hot run against some very bad defenses but a hot run nonetheless. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are kind of limping into the playoffs after starting 11 and 0, losing, or no, starting 10 and 0, I guess, losing most of their final five games. The, the Steelers and Ravens, I think everyone expected to go. The Browns, not so much. And does Mike Brown, you know, look up the road to Cleveland and see, you know what? Cleveland has had essentially the same roster for the last two years. And they got the right coach in there, or at least a better coach in there. And now they're going to the playoffs. Now they've won, what, 10, 11 games? And that's a year removed from, you know, Freddie Kitchen's final year, right? So <laughs> do, do you get inspired by the Cleveland Browns, as weird as that is to say, to make a change? And the other thing is, and this is the more prevalent one to me, is has there been a time in NFL history when you fired essentially everyone but the head coach. Like, I thought at least we would see Jamal Singleton come back, right? Like, the the running backs have been pretty good. I thought, you know, Rob Livingston, who has been coaching the safeties, I think that that has shaped up. I thought that there would be some positional coaches coming back. Today we're hearing Jamal Singleton likely going to UK. We already know about three named coaches. We, We strongly believe Lou is out. And as you said, there are some names that haven't been reported we're pretty much expecting a gutting of this coaching staff at this point. Has there been a time when you've, you've dismissed everyone and kept the head coach? Like if you're letting everyone, but the head coach go, how does that make sense? You know, like that, that's the part that I'm having a hard time reconciling. I think that is what they're doing, but I just don't understand how that makes sense. And that's the, that's the, the part that I struggle with here is the path to success. Right. Like, let's say you truly believe in in Zach. Well, moving on from all these assistants, how good is a six twenty five and one head coach going to to do in the free agent assistant coach market? <laughs> right. I mean, you're competing. Think about this, because this is the reality. Zach Taylor's going to have to compete with Eric Bieniemy, and he's going to have to compete with maybe Marvin Lewis and maybe this guy or this guy, or whoever else that gets hired to be a head coach. And that's going to be tough. that's going to be tough when you have a guy who could be a lame duck. And if he gets off to a two and five start next year, could be out. And and that's the interesting thing to me, Jake, over the next couple of days, I think we're going to find out who's calling these shots here, because if Zach comes back and let's say we're seeing these veteran, like established, maybe uh, coaches that offensive defensive coordinators with, and I'm not saying they're going to move on from both of those guys, but let's just say it happens, right? And you see these veteran guys come in. And what if they hired Hugh Jackson to be the offensive coordinator? What if they hired, uh, I don't insert a name that's been around the organization, Paul Gunther, to be the defensive coordinator. If you see those things happen, I think it's a sign that Zach isn't making the decisions. Because Zach doesn't have those connections. He hasn't been around the league long enough. And so if you're seeing these veteran veteran coaches that, again, have ties to the organization, but not Zach Taylor. 
I think it's like, ooh, it, it, it's it's going to be really pressure on Zach to win. Because if not, then the Bengals have veterans to turn to on the staff and other coaches that they, they have a relationship with next season to turn to if they did move on from Zach Taylor. And that might be why they do keep him now, because they don't want to just completely overhaul everything if they can get one of their guys in place, which what we can disagree with, but I, I could see that possibility potentially happening happening again. I'm purely speculating here, but I, I think that that's certainly something that might be considered at Paul Brown stadium. To add to the speculation, I will say this. If, if you have this plan and we know they have this plan, we know that there are several coaches they're going to move on from. We suspect that there will be many more. You would expect that they have already at least contacted or put some feelers out back channeled, whatever you want to call it to the candidates. They want to come in and join this mm-hmm. staff. You would expect that they have a plan. I don't think anyone knows what that plan is yet, but if we see another, you know, we're waiting until after the Super Bowl, we're, we're picking at scraps again. Then, you know, this organization has no idea, but you don't expect that. You expect that they're going to start this process right away tomorrow and start figuring it out if they haven't already made contact with the coaches they want to join this organization. We will certainly have news about this in the coming days, James, but let's wrap up the show. Let's wrap up the season with a little bit of a tribute to AJ Green, who may or may not have, but likely, I guess, has played his last game for the Bengals the way things are going to wrap up the show coming up next. It's a new year, and if you want a new you, you hear us talk about them all the time. Built Bars are the number one protein bar on the planet. I eat one every single day. It's the perfect post-workout snack, midday snack, or anything in between. The best part about Built Bars, it's not that they're covered in 100% chocolate or that they taste amazing or they're 18 amazing flavors. It's the fact that they fit your macros. So you're working on that 2021 summer bod, trying to get that quarantine weight off. Built Bars can help you do it. High in protein, low in sugar, perfect for you. Check them out right now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's builtbar.com, promo code locked on for 20% off. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Adriel Jeremiah Green was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in 2011. Coming out of Georgia, he was their fourth overall pick that year. He played 127 games in his career for the Bengals. He had 649 catches on 1,128 targets. He had 9,430 receiving yards for 65 touchdowns. I don't think anybody saw his career ending in Cincinnati, if it indeed has, going with a zero-catch day. It was a little bit of a sad end. But what a career it was and what an enjoyable player he has been to watch as one of the best in the league to do it for 
most of, if not all of his time in Cincinnati until this year. It's funny, Jake. I, I was reflecting on AJ Green earlier this week. Uh, and when he was drafted, you mentioned 2011. I was in college. I believe I was a sophomore, sophomore in college. And uh, I, I had a blog at the time. And uh, it was really, really poorly written. But I pulled it up the day after that draft where they picked AJ Green. And if you remember, the, the Falcons traded up to get Julio Jones with the Browns. Well, they offered the same package, according to reports, to the Bengals. And all these people were like, oh, my God, the Bengals have so many needs, right? They're coming off that 4-12 and T.O. Ocho year. So many needs. Why did they not trade back? I can't believe they didn't trade down. And I don't know if I've ever nailed a take so much. I was like, man, A.J. Green is phenomenal. He was the best player available. There's no doubt that you take him. Of course, they need other things, but he's he's going to be a stud. He's going to change the way your offense is. And it was, like I said, really poorly written. But I, I went back and read that, and I was like, wow. Like, it's been that long. And he, he did it at such a high level for such a long time. And I say this a lot, and I don't mean it as a slight to Andy Dalton, even though I've used it as a slight to Andy Dalton at times. I think the reason Andy signed a $96 million contract was because of A.J. Green, like how how well he played and at such a high level he played right from the jump of coming into the league. And, and not many can do it. He did it, and he did it the, the right way, like you mentioned. He wasn't a distraction. He wasn't a guy that was uh, – you know, going to get in the way of winning. And a lot of receivers did that and have done that in the past. And that wasn't AJ. And so hopefully wherever he goes, whether it's the Bengals or, or somewhere else, hopefully wherever he goes, he has success and he can win. He can win and he can find that success and that postseason success and, and do all the things that he was hoping to do over the past couple of years. Cause I, I know it's, it's really crushed him to not be out there. And, and this year, was tough in its own way, but I think the injuries made it much, much tougher over the past few seasons. Yeah, I think that every single Bengals fan out there is rooting for AJ no matter where he goes. I think a lot of Bengals fans did the same thing for Andy Dalton. You look back at that 2011 draft class, AJ Green, Andy Dalton, they got Clint Bowling in that draft class. That was a really good draft, and it led to a lot of success early in Andy Dalton, early in AJ Green's career. And man, I mean, the amount of spectacular plays he's made, the success on Andy to AJ on corner routes, most recently memorably against Atlanta a few years ago, the the should have been game winner from AJ McCarron against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. AJ Green has done so much for this organization. And like you said, the, the work ethic and the attitude, the anti-diva that he has been. I mean, you just have to respect it so much. He, he did that piece for the Player Tribune earlier this year about work, about his upbringing, and I think that really does a good job of encapsulating the kind of person he is. And I think that it's just been a, a real treat. We've got to watch a really great player, a really great person in A.J. Green, and that's the part that I think you need to remember. I, I mean, you, you can look back and you can – you know, be negative about it. If you want, you can say, you know, they should have traded him. I don't know what good that does at this point. I mean, should have, would have, could have, I guess, but instead you get one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in Bengals history and AJ green, you compare him to Chad Johnson, you know, you, you go back maybe a little bit further to, to the Chris Collinsworth, to the Isaac Curtis, AJ's up there. If he's not the best, he's certainly very close. 
he is up there. And without injuries, I, I think it would have been maybe head and shoulders above. Yeah, and unfortunately, so. that was and that wasn't the case. Uh, to me, it's probably Chad. But I saw Chad. You talk to people who saw Isaac Curtis when they were younger. That's who they think. And and so that's the thing. But he's certainly in that that realm. And let's just talk about this year for a second, because it's no secret you and I differed on our expectations for AJ. You were much more realistic and right in hindsight. Um, but but the the thing, and they just got their head kicked in by the Ravens tonight, right? Let's rewind time back to week five when Joe Burrow throws to AJ Green. AJ Green doesn't see the ball. It gets picked off in the middle of that Ravens game. Then it's awful effort. Uh, doesn't try to make the tackle. He's clearly thinking about staying healthy. And then he goes to the sidelines and he doesn't come back in the game. That could have been it. The just trade me mumbling on the sideline, which we're pretty confident he said, but we're not 100% on, right? That could have been it. He could have spoke out then and he, he could have been a distraction and he could have gotten his way out. I promise you he could have. Carlos Dunlap did it. A.J. Green certainly has just as much, if not more, respect from the Bengals front office and could have done that. But what he did, and this is just him, is he responded the right way. He essentially apologized to the media that week. And then he came out and had his best game of the year up to that point against the Colts. And then he did it again the next week against the Browns. And it was just a flash, but but it was the response you'd expect from A.J. Green. And, and that's what we've seen for the past decade. That's what he is. That's what whatever team that gets him of any of the 32 teams, that's what they're going to get next year. And, and I think that's that's part of it that's going to go underrated and, and un, like forgot about a bit because that could have been disaster for one of the franchise greats, right? Chad was unhappy when he got traded. A lot of these guys, Corey Dillon was unhappy when he got traded. AJ could have went down that same path and he didn't. And I don't know which way's right and which way's wrong. I'm not here to say that, but AJ did it his way, and I think he deserves uh, credit and deserves to be praised for it. Ultimate team player. Last AJ Green stat that, that I just noticed here is of his 649 career receptions, James, how many of those do you think went for first downs? If you just had to ballpark, out of 649, how many were first downs? Oh, 60-something percent. Is that too high or too low? I don't know. I have no idea. You're just about right. 445 out of 649 catches went for first downs for AJ Green. I just think that that speaks to, you know, and that doesn't mention the touchdowns, 65 touchdowns too. So 510 of his 649 catches, either first downs or touchdowns. So moving the chain, scoring points, being efficient, AJ Green, truly one of the greats that we have seen in Cincinnati. Real quick to close, James, I want to hit on the, the tankathon stuff, the, the draft pick position and possibilities just to close the show. Atlanta lost, so they're up there right now at three. The best the Bengals can do is get up to four if Houston wins. At the time of recording, Houston is currently trailing the Tennessee Titans six to ten. And then if, if they win, then it could come down to a tiebreaker stuff between Philly and and the Bengals, that's going to mean we want the New Orleans Saints to win. If you want the Bengals to pick higher, they're currently leading Carolina by six. And you want the Green Bay Packers to win, they're currently leading the Chicago Bears by four. 
You also want the Los Angeles Chargers to lose. They're currently tied with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are not playing their starters. So we will know either way whether the Bengals are picking fourth or fifth before Sunday night football. If you're listening to the show before then, go check out Twitter. If you're listening to the show after then, again, go check out Twitter later because we will get that updated as soon as it's known. Tomorrow, James, the first mock draft Monday of the offseason, we'll have coaching news, I expect. It'll either be tomorrow or Tuesday, and it'll be time to start diving into this offseason. Until then, Bengals fans, we wrap up the 2020 NFL season with a hearty who day to you, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.